It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, December 21st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is very happy for Travis Konechny. What a performance in that game against Columbus. Yeah, he was the best guy in the ice. Absolutely. All right, we're going to talk about that and get to your mailbag questions on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology and is reporting from the Wells Fargo Center. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail. And that's how you get your mailbag questions answered on the show. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube, so subscribe there as well. Russ, I gotta say, the more I see out of them, I love this Frost JVR tippet line. Yeah, they're doing really well right now. They're they're clicking. Um you know, Morgan Frost, a little more decisive in what he's doing. Uh, Tortorello was right in saying that he's, you know, passing less and trying to really uh, take more yeah. shots and be, and, and you can see he's got more confidence. It was, a, I think it was a confidence thing. So I'm happy to see that. Owen Tippett had a really good game. No question about it. He was hustling. He, um, his puck retrieval was real good. That was what something that Tortorello talked about. I talked to him about it and, you know, he has been working on it. So, you know, you're seeing um, a progression with those guys. JVR certainly helping them. But the um, the odd thing about this team, and it's hard to deny it, there's almost like talking points because now all of a sudden they're a young team. And it's like, oh, really? How young are they? Like, there's there's plenty of veterans on this team. And so all of a sudden they're trying to rebrand. And I find that interesting. But um, that line has done very well. Yeah, I think with Owen Tippett, uh, you notice he had a couple of good chances earlier yes. in the game before he scored, and he just had a lot of time with the puck, and that's where I think he just overthinks it mm-hmm. and doesn't quite know what to do with it. But then, you know, when you have you know a quicker play where he doesn't have that time, sure enough, he pots one, and then yes. it, it was you know something we've talked about is the Flyers defending on the six on five at the end of the, the game, and that they Ugh. hadn't done it well. This time a little better and Owen Tippett ends up with the puck in the net. So I think, you know, there's something to be said for that still could use improvement. Absolutely. But I don't think they were turtling quite as bad. No, they weren't turtling. No, that's true. I mean, it was better and they did eventually get the puck. So that, um, you know, that was a positive. The, um, there's still two, you know, 10 giveaways, odd man rushes. Like there's, there was way too much of that, but the, um, the interesting thing was they, you know, Konechny really, you know, took over the game. It looked like Goudreau was going to do it early. So that was good. That's, you know, that's a real positive sign. But Kevin Hayes played his worst game of the year. Worse than 
when he was benched. Now he's just out there barely doing anything. He was barely checking. He was, you know, the one shot he had was a very weak shot. Like it was like, had nothing mm-hmm. behind it. And then of course, John Tortorella's um, saying that we in the media are pitting him against the uh, player, which is ridiculous, but the media is not doing that. Like Tortorella is the one that commented again the other day on it, not the media. So that's a situation where it's still ongoing. There's no question about it. And you could see it on the ice. Yeah, I do think it was not a good effort overall from Kevin Hayes. That is for sure. And honestly, I mean, you see Scott Lawton, right? While he was on the penalty kill connecting with Travis Konechny on that shorthanded goal. And you can see when Scott Lawton is in good situations, he does really good things. Now, you know, he did get completely destroyed by Goudreau, but, you know. He he did make up for it afterward, but still, I think that, you know, on a line with Kevin Hayes, the way Hayes is playing right now, and Zach McEwen, that is not the best circumstance for Scott Lawton to be no. successful, I think. I, I do feel um, like he, he But I don't to... blame him. No, it's not him. Of course not. It's, it's the coaching staff. Um, I, I do feel like they need to break him away from, from Kevin Hayes right now because he had a lot yeah. more energy than Hayes. Hayes didn't match his energy, so... You're, you're right on with that. Yeah, I also want to talk about Cam York, who is absolutely continuing to make the case to stay with the Flyers. Uh, just really smart, I think, puck movement in this one. And he's getting more confident with the puck and away from the puck. I think he's just smarter in, in cutting off angles. And uh, I, it's, you know, he's getting rewarded now with the two assists in this game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really sincerely think he's with the team now for the duration. I, I think so, too. I mean, we talked about it. Um, we, we knew he was going to get this this chance eventually. So, you know, he's earned it. Um, Tortorell had something to say about that saying that the media pissed and moaned when he got sent down, which I don't think it was that much of an outcry. Uh, and then, you know, it was just a surprise, less than an outcry. Yeah. But he made it out to be more dramatic. Uh, and you know, and they did a good job and he did a good job in Lehigh and they worked on the right things. And you know, that's a situation where that wouldn't have happened last year. Like that's a positive with Lehigh where somebody went down, came up Mm -hmm. and then they were good enough to stay. So that's good. I mean, and again, it's Cam York. He's a you know little better than most to go to Lehigh. Anyhow, we have to be fair about that. But he still worked on the right things, and I'm happy. And so, yeah, you're seeing good play out of him. Yeah, most definitely. I am very, very happy for him. Uh, I, I would say also that Tony D'Angelo played a much better game. Mm-hmm. this time around than the last game uh, actually making some really solid defensive plays and then stepping up offensively and you know taking chances that you would have seen from him last year that maybe we haven't seen as much this year um, not a lot of you know there's only one power play so not a lot of time to see him out there uh, in that situation well, but he but, can do better five on five like offensively but defensively this is yeah. a good game for him yeah, I definitely think so. Of course, that like one dive to save the yes. the two on one, and then he just picked up the puck and skated really fast down the ice. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was was a really good play from him. And he had one good scoring chance offensively, but that's mm-hmm. all I tracked. Yeah, I just think that uh, overall, not you know, he's still 
needs some work, but he he definitely improved over the last game out. And uh, I think that's what we can ask from him right now. Yeah. I mean, this is a situation where they had to win this one. So they did. So that's good. They can't play like this against the Leafs, though. They can't. Oh, no. Oh, no. That is for sure. And, you know, now I worry a little bit because they did play Carter Hart in this game. Did not play Felix Sandstrom. Nobody in the press box understood it either. Like, we all were like, this was the perfect opportunity uh, to not play him. The other team's playing their third string goalie who didn't have a particularly good game. They had 11 guys down. No. And, and why is Carter Hart in there? Like, why? Yeah, I don't know. It it was not a good decision, most definitely, because with the game in the afternoon on Thursday, that's less time to recover. Yep. And, you know, this one wasn't like a huge problem for Carter Hart in terms of effort required, but still no, a game is third a game. Period, third period, there were some pileups. And at the end of the game, he got a, a puck in a bad spot. Um, well, that so, is true. You know, there was that. Yes, there was that. A little bit of worry there for a little bit until people figured out what happened. And then we started talking and somebody said, I think it was uh, there. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. that makes sense based on the way he reacted. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Any final thoughts on on this game? I mean, the final thoughts are um, just clean it up a little more defensively. Uh, I wish... There were more players that had the effort that Travis Konechny has, because not everybody has is showing that effort on this team still. Yeah, I, I think those are wise words, but a victory nonetheless, and yep. we appreciate every single one of them. Oh yeah, it's better uh, to cover a win than a loss, for sure. Yes. All right, we're going to get to your bail bag questions coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to college baseball season, basketball to soccer, esports, and of course the NHL, we've got it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love your sports podcasts like ours, you could find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today available wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, we have a a little bit of a heated mailbag today, I would say, based on what's been going on with the team. And, you know, we're going to come in strong with uh, John, who wants to know, do you think Torts' handling of Kevin Hayes, mostly justified, according to John, has anything to do with the fact that Hayes is or was an Alain Vigneault? No, I don't think anything has to do with that. There's The one thing I'll give Torts credit for is he doesn't really look back and worry about, hey, that's a that guy player. I'm going to get rid of him. He, he's not like that. So, no, I don't think so. I would tend to think that's the case. You know, I, I think with GMs, sometimes you see like a trend of like, oh, that's the last yes. guy's draft pick and I want it to be my team now. But with coaches, I think it's a different Same. story. I agree. 
another good question on this whole drama. Uh, does the Torts Hayes situation have an effect on other players potentially speaking up? I don't think so. Uh, he didn't really want to speak up. It's not. There's no benefit to speaking up with John Tortorella as your coach because it's just it's going to come at, back at you. So unless you're super frustrated, you're not going to really hear guys speak out against them. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right, that they may be talking amongst themselves behind the scenes and getting it out with their yeah. friends and family or whatever that they need to do in order to get through the day. But they're not going to talk about it with the media unless directly asked. And in which case, I think they're most likely going to just say mm -hmm. something neutral. Um, you know, something along the lines of he's the coach, he makes the decisions, but with less yes. bite to it than maybe the way Kevin Hayes had to go about it. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's something that stays behind closed doors. So Mario had a really good question uh, about line combos that, of course, is now a little out of date because Sedlak isn't yeah. on the team any more but um he seems to think you know that some things aren't working and that Hayes should be moved back to center because he's more effective there and that Noah Cage should go back to wing and Farabee needs new line mates and he would put Farabee on a line with Hayes and Konechny and so we can look at his top two lines and see if it makes sense um, so he wants Hayes centering Farabee and Konechny and then Frost centering JVR and Tippett. I mean, for the most part, it makes sense. Um, Farabee, Hayes, Konechny has happened before, but the problem is this version of Kevin Hayes is bad on faceoffs more times than he's good. And that's going to be the issue there. So if you told me he was going to be a 50% faceoff guy or close to it, I'd say, okay. But there's games where he's over 50, and then there's games where he's like 30-something. I, I think that is an issue. And also, like, Farabee has been struggling a little bit. And so, it, you know, there's two ways to look at this particular line. You say, oh, you put him back on a line with Travis Konechny, who is arguably the hottest hand mm -hmm. on the team, right? So maybe that sparks him to play better. And, and I see that side of it. But then also... Travis Konechny needs effective line mates and Joel Farabee is struggling right now. So do you, and Hayes obviously is struggling defensively. So do you put those guys together and, and does that really make sense for the, for the big picture? I can see how it would make sense like individually, but for the big picture, I'm not so yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately that puts Noah Cates on a, a third line on, the wing, and I don't know that I like that either. I think Noah Cates needs to be higher in the lineup. I think ultimately, based on the way he's played this year, that's true too. On yes. this team at this time, yeah. I think on your average NHL team, third line right. is just fine. Right. Yeah, so I think that's kind of where I'm at. But I, I see what he's saying, you know, in terms of the individual mm -hmm. Me too. guys and, and what's best for them. But I, I just don't think it puts together what's best for the team overall right now um our friend susan is back and i always love susan has good questions and she has a little mm -hmm. bit of a hot button question here that i'm not sure i want to answer but it's important i guess if you're a newer fan and you want to understand the context she wants to know if the rangers fans booed tony d'angelo every time he touched 
the puck at that game and what is the bad blood between them? I, I didn't think it was every time they touched the puck. Maybe they did a couple times and I missed it. Uh, the bad blood is goes back to a fight between D'Angelo and I think it was Georgiev. And, mm-hmm. and so then things were said. D'Angelo said some things. Uh, definitely something uh, not right about the Russian player, got him mad. They were going to fight him. Then Chris Kreider was thinking about fighting D'Angelo and it, and it became a thing. So that's where the bad blood came from. And that's where, you know, eventually D'Angelo left. Why eventually D'Angelo left the Rangers? Yeah. Basically after all of that went down and they like really almost came to serious blows between Ranger teammates at that time. And then Tony D'Angelo just like sat. Yep. And basically didn't play. And then after that, the next season, that's when Carolina signed him. Right. That's right. That's yeah. They didn't trade him. That's right. He just sat. Yeah. So um, he yeah, it was a real, real big thing at the time. And it definitely affected D'Angelo's career. And, you know, the the signing in Carolina was definitely, you know, a rehab effort of his yes. for his reputation. Um, and, you know, it, it's. You know, it's not just the off ice things. This is a real thing that happened, you know, in the locker room and affected the balance of the team at the time. So that's why I think a lot of people think he's like a risky project to take on. Plus at the salary he's at, the salary is too high. You know, we all know that. Most definitely. And, you know, he was only making a million with Carolina, which is fine to pay him again because he had gone through all this drama with the Rangers. He was a risk. And so, you know, he was only going to make a million or so at that time. And then the Flyers said, oh, I guess he's worth more now and yeah. signed him for five Carolina, million. I think, was going to pay him around three. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. Which seemed more reasonable to me, to be honest. Yes. Based on how he played in, in Carolina, I think, you know, a three million dollar contract, especially if he was going to play a lot of minutes like that. I'd give him that at that time. Now, not so much. No. All right. So we talked about the lines a little bit with Mario's question, but Sean wants to know what is the preferred center depth on the Flyers right now? Obviously, minus Couturier. Hayes, Frost. You have to put Cates and then take your pick on the the fourth line. I mean – if you want them to be their best, then put Lawton as your fourth line center. But that's they're probably not going to do that. But if not, then it's Patrick Brown and, you know, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I think the only way you put Lawton on the fourth line that makes sense is if you really split that third and fourth line time pretty evenly. Yes. Right? So, you know, you have a third line that maybe plays a little bit less time and a fourth line that plays a little bit more time. Cause that's typical. when Lawton's a plus player, like when he's right, when he's playing down in the lineup and he can take advantage of some things when he's playing up in the lineup, he's not nearly as good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that you would want to put one person with him. That's more offensively oriented. Yes. So, um, you know, if Delorier is on that line, you need, somebody like wade allison right who's gonna be right that would be good yeah uh, that's an okay fourth line for me all right we have more mailbag questions coming up next 
All right, Russ. So uh, obviously with all of this going on, we have some uh, big picture questions. And uh, our first one is what is the actual thing that would get Chuck Fletcher fired? Or is it just something that will definitely wait until the end of the season if it's happening? It's a good question. Um, I think it's going to be at the end of the season. I think he's going to uh, step up and just do the president's job because he's a dual title. And I don't think he has to do anything else to actually get fired or removed. I think that's going to happen organically. Yeah, we've talked about this before a little bit. And Chuck Fletcher is a prime candidate for failing up. Mm-hmm. in the Paul Holmgren School of Management. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, un- unfortunately, Dave Scott seems to have this thing where he likes Chuck Fletcher and trusts him. And I, I wish we had somebody who knew a little bit more hockey in that role and could be a, a better evaluator of that management style because clearly it has not worked. Or be and, in games you know, and see what's going on. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that you're right in that there isn't going to be a precipitating incident here. It's an end of season thing. He'll probably be the president, like you said, and then, you know, Danny Breer will get the GM job or something along those lines. But I just don't see any new or different voices coming into the room. And I should, that should be what mm -hmm. happens in my estimation, but I don't know if it'll happen either. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, the big question I have is, is Danny Breer a different voice or is he already entrenched in Flyers land in a way that he wouldn't be a new or different voice? I mean, honestly, he doesn't have enough experience to really be a GM of what you would call a contending team. That said, he has been a part of this group for a little while now. So I think you still need the outside voice. Uh, I think you need the outside voice with more experience, with some winning experience. If they don't add that, they don't have any of that. Yeah, I just, it would be so awkward with Chuck Fletcher still there. If if it's a matter of Chuck's, you know, going to be at the games like always, but then, you know, only talk about business situations or maybe, you know, like the Flyers Wives Carnival or stuff like that, fine. He'll, he'll be fine with that. I don't think it would be awkward then. Uh, he's still getting paid a lot of money. So I think he, you know, that is true. It would be okay. And you know, that's the way it goes. But I just feel like just Danny Barrier on his own is not enough of a change. And that's not a slight against Danny. It's just, Hey, he's only got, he could only do so much with the same guidance. He's going to have the same guidance there basically. Yeah. I, I think so too. I think this is a semi-related question um, with management, whether it's the current management or future management. How much time now does it realistically take for the Flyers to do a rebuild given the current cap situation and the contracts? If it were Russ Cohen doing the rebuild, it would have started at last year's trading deadline like it should have and would have gone through this year and next year, and then we'd see where we're at. Now – a proper one or close to proper one is because there's no set rule would be this is part of it next year's part of it and probably the year after part of it but the flyers aren't going to do that like that's 
that's not going to happen. So what they're going to say is, um, we're going to retool this year. We're going to get younger. We're going to keep getting younger. We're going to get more draft picks. And then they're going to hope. Like, that's what they're going to do. And the problem is, unless they truly beef up their player development way more than it is right now, their guys aren't developing quick enough. I think we could all acknowledge that. That has to change. You know, Ian LaPerrier aside, I mean, there are people on staff that either need help or they need to change some people on staff. Like, it's just players aren't developing quick enough. That's just the way it is. Something has to change with that. Yeah. I I mean, we have the running joke of, you know, two years away from being two years away. Right. And there's a certain truth to it. But I think you're right in terms of it should have officially started last year at the trade deadline. And the, the problem is the word realistically in the question, because realistically for the Flyers, yeah, I think it's you know, it's going to take a year and a half to get out of the cap mess that they're in. And you have to hope that they can hold on to enough young players in that time period. And especially because they have so many RFA contracts that are question marks at this point still, Mm -hmm. you know, check in at the end of the season, we might have a different answer on that front. But I I still think some of those guys are question marks because we don't know what they can do at the NHL level yet. And that's a problem too. And that that was a big thing we talked about at the beginning of the season was we got to know what we have here so that we can expedite this rebuild process that they're not calling a rebuild. And so I really think that is the Achilles heel, right? Is that in terms of depth players, in terms of the young guys knowing who to keep and who to let go, I don't know that they have the right answers now. And I I fear that they're going to try and get more veteran contracts because those are more known entities at this point. And I don't like that approach because you got to draft and develop from within. And I like what you said about getting, you know, additional player development staff to help support these players. So we really do understand what we have out there yeah i mean to me that's that's a big thing uh just getting players isn't enough just drafting players isn't enough player development is a good 30 35 percent of deciding uh if that player is going to be a long time nhl or not so it's nice to make trades and get younger players but again even someone like owen tippett still needs work we could see it he still needs work we don't know what the end of the rainbow is for owen tippett yet and we're you know a good portion into his flyers career already. So, you know, that's those kinds of things. It's hard to make, you know, again, in the past, they would make decisions on the hope of this guy getting healthy and the hope of that guy getting healthy. They can't go into next season with the hope of Cam Atkinson being fully back to himself and Couturier being fully back to himself. Even if they're playing, you have to sort of make a judgment call and say, okay, maybe we have to, uh, tail you know tap it down a little bit and say maybe atkinson is now a second line guy maybe couturier is now a second line guy like we have to start looking at this and starting and start getting better around that i think so too it's uh it's very daunting and i don't envy anybody in this job right now (laughs) no but you know i would just like to see them be more realistic instead of pie in the sky because like you said the other day there's always this great hope and lately you know hope is not a plan 
All right, switching gears, we have a couple of good holiday All questions right. for you. Get off like the heavy stuff. It is uh, mid Hanukkah right now, and so of course the big question is: sour cream or applesauce on your latkes, Russ? Yeah, I'm an a- applesauce guy. I I don't know why sour cream is perfectly fine. I just have always, I guess. It's the sweet and savory mix. I just feel like that's a good mix. I'm an applesauce person too, because it's tart too. Yeah, it's not yeah. If it's the right sweet. applesauce, yeah. Yeah. So if if you got an unsweetened applesauce on a latke, that's the best. I do not like sour cream at all. Okay. I will not use, but unless it's like in a recipe where you don't like actually taste the sour it's, cream. Yeah, mixed in, and it's like you don't. Yeah. Know, yeah. 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 So I would not have sour cream on a latke. Um, another food question, Russ, what is your favorite holiday food and one that you hate? Uh, I'll go with the one I hate first and that's the ginger. So gingerbread, I don't mind ginger, like as a spice, but like ginger, gingerbread men, all that stuff. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Uh, have no use for it. Uh, lakas is certainly one of the things I like, uh, matzo ball soup. I, I will eat more matzo ball soup during this and it's funny because it, you don't always have to go to a um, a Jewish establishment for the lakas or the matzo ball soup. There's a lot of diners out there that can yep. pull it off. So that's that's yeah. a, a little tip there. Yeah, especially if, you know, like a German place will have yeah. Oh, yeah. potato pancakes and stuff like that. Too. Yeah, they'll put more onion so. in it. You know, it'll be a little different. Yeah, yeah. But that is a, a very good point. Yeah, I think, you know, I I, I don't really eat much of the like Christmas holiday stuff because I just don't have occasion to but like for Passover I hate gefilte fish that really is for sure. I have a jar in the fridge uh, oh I love it oh uh, uh, it With is a just, little horseradish oh it's great I can't do it Russ okay I just can't do I understand it. it's acquired it is it's an acquired thing yeah but I do love matzo ball soup okay that is one thing I can have like any time of year I think yeah me too yeah, yeah, matzo ball soup is is really good, and I love a good kugel, whether it's potato or noodle. See, I'm I'll a potato it. kugel. The noodle kugel, not as much. Kugel is like a thing that's not around as much anymore. It's harder to find. Yeah, well, I make it. But... Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, wrapping up with our flyers fun thing. Of course, uh, some flyers players were out and about giving gifts to people in the community. This time it was Scott Lawton, uh, Wade Allison, Zach McEwen, Nick Steeler, and uh, Edgar Zamula. And uh, they got uh, some toys from the holiday toy drive. And it's always good it was when nice. the Flyers get into the community this time of year. And uh, yeah, lots and lots of kids' toys. Yep. Yep. It was a nice scene. Good job, Flyers. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. We'll have a prospect preview and we're going to be talking about the Leafs. It's a daytime game we got coming up. And so still not uh, really clear on this because today I was amongst some Canadians on another show and some said kids have off and others said 23rd like they 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 still go to school on the 23rd depending on where they are in ontario so i'm assuming they have this as sort of like a kids game but then somebody else said maybe it's just a getaway game like for baseball when because it's the holiday after that and so maybe it's more that 
I don't know, but we'll have an afternoon game to talk about against a very good Toronto Maple Leafs team. And we will do that tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Of course, if you want your mailbag question answered, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and their take of the day. It's available wherever you get your podcasts.